Welcome to Reapproaching Christ, the podcast where we love the scriptures and bring you contemporary insights into the scriptures and Christ's perfect messages for our day. I'm your host, Dr. John Dunn. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, let's consider Christ's mortal ministry and the types of healing that he provided. We're all interested in being healed. We're all interested in having our infirmities taken away and our sins removed all of those stumbling blocks that we have in life, assisted by the Savior. So let's look at the type of healing that Jesus Christ in his mortal ministry provided. Let's go to Mark 2 in the New Testament. I'm going to start with verse 4. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Because in today's world, we are seeing an immense amount of people taking a break from church. They're stepping back from church. They're leaving church. They're not attending their their various congregations. We're seeing congregations shrink. There's a New York Times bestseller called Unchurched, very popular and very well-researched. And it shows that across all Christian denominations, especially in younger people, there is a backing away from organized religion. Jesus Christ didn't want that. Jesus Christ set up a church. Jesus Christ called apostles for a reason, so that people could gather together, they could have a community, and they could support one another. There's a lot of things they can do collectively that you can't do individually by yourself. So we're stronger together, especially in Christ. He's among us when two or three of us are gathered together. He's right there. Scripture's absolutely sure of that. So looking at Mark chapter 2, verse 4, it is a community coming together to help one member. They have a friend who has the palsy. Verse 4 goes, They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They were going to great extremes because it was very difficult for this person to approach Christ. They made an avenue for him, a way for him to approach Christ. Verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith. This is communal faith. This is a group of friends, of disciples, banding together in prayer and hopes and desires to help a friend. That is the strength of community. That's why Jesus Christ wants us to be in church, to have a church community, to have communities where neighbors help neighbors, where we love our neighbors as ourselves. He sees their faith. This is impressing the Savior. He sees their faith. He says unto the one sick of the palsy, surprisingly, perhaps disappointingly at first, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I came to be healed, physically healed. I was looking for this immediacy of a physical healing that I would leap from my bed. That's like the person at the temple when the, when the, uh, in, the in Acts where the, the apostles cure him on the steps of the temple and he leaps for joy. What was this man to think? This friend, what was he to think when he comes to be healed and suddenly his sins are forgiven? A much greater gift, of course, but unexpected and perhaps just a little at first disappointing. But it's this amazing blessing, a greater miracle than he ever expected. So Christ is raising up his expectations beyond just the immediacy of a physical healing. This healing is, has a spiritual nature. But who's sitting there? The detractors, the scribes. And the scribes sit there and reason in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy? 
who can forgive the sins but God only? So in other words, right, who is this Jesus? They're pondering, who is Christ that he could provide this greater aspect of healing relief? This is crazy. You know, the scribes are looking to the Pharisees and they're looking to the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the powers that be to be the power in the community. And here's this man coming and expressing God's power. And they, they just can't take this. But Christ immediately receives this, right? Jesus perceives their reasoning, says to them, why do you reason these things in your heart? And gives them a challenge. Think about this. Is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise and walk? So they're challenged now. You know, you're saying, I can't forgive sins, but wow, what if I heal this man miraculously in front of you? What would you think of that? Would you think that would be even more miraculous? He said that you may know that I, the Son of Man, has power to forgive sins on earth. He says to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take your bed, and go to thine house. And immediately he arises. He takes up his bed, goes forth, and they are all amazed and glorified God. Now, so often, Christ would perform an amazing physical miracle. He would heal blindness. He treated an issue of blood. He would cure leprosy on the spot. But it stands as this greater metaphor for this higher level of healing, the power that he has to forgive sins. This spiritual healing or redemption was called in some of our congregations. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 of the New Testament, we're taught. John the Baptist, we're talking about here. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance, and be very sure you understand this term, for the remission of sins. Repentance for the remission of sins. The repentance and the remission go hand in hand. Now, this term remission has two different technical definitions. The first is an immediate change. It's the recovery or the lessening of a burden or seriousness of an injury, which can be temporary, often is temporary. But the second definition indicates the cancellation or forgiveness of a debt. Now, that's permanent. So remission has two different aspects to it. One is rather temporary and one is rather permanent, and Christ addresses both of these. So in medicine, for instance, think about this. We indicate that a person might be healed of cancer, right? What do we really say, though? The cancer is in remission. That just means the pathology is currently inactive, but it could return. That's why you take a PET scan routinely on cancer patients every year, every two years, to periodically determine an inventory of their cells if there's still cancer, if it's still in remission, or possibly may have returned or metastasized. So it's kind of an inventory process. Same is true when you consider a spiritual challenge. We can overcome sin, we can receive forgiveness, but we're still subject to temptation every day of our lives and a possible stumble going forward. So how does Christ, quote-unquote, cure that? How does he cure that? Well, he provides us with opportunities to inventory our spiritual condition through prayer, pondering, self-reflection, all things you can do privately and personally. But then he would have you counsel with your clergy. Partake of the sacrament. That's something you don't do on your own. That's something you communally go and enjoy with your congregation, which is something so many people are missing out on now. They have taken and denied themselves 
that community support, that incredible support where friends support friends, where friendly clergy can give you counsel, can guide you spiritually, you can do scripture study together, and partake of this miracle of repentance. Yes, am I encouraging everybody to go back to their congregations? I absolutely am. You need an absolute personal relationship with Christ, which he absolutely encourages you to have. But as you reapproach Christ, you should also be reapproaching your congregations to see what they have to offer you, because it is Christ's way. It's his avenue for finding more believers to support each other. So you get a fresh start with repentance again and again. So when you turn to Mark 1-4 again, John's baptizing, preaching baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So this ordinance of baptism, it embodies this process of healing. It occurs when we humble ourselves in the waters of baptism. We're sprinkled in some congregations. Go down to the beach and you immerse yourselves in the waves. I see that every day in our community. Repentance requires this broken heart, this contrite spirit, and that leads you to reapproach Christ in a different manner, right? You have a desire to alter your patterns of behavior, to follow him, accept his grace, change your lifestyle, and that change of lifestyle, that can lead to the remission, right? Just as a medical doctor often recommends a change of lifestyle to lead to an improvement in your physical health, repentance leads you to true spiritual healing as you become better disciples of Christ and you improve all of his qualities that lie within you. Fortunately, Christ understands us as a whole. He doesn't just focus on any single physical ailment. That's a metaphor for your entire spiritual health. Although Christ would often publicly heal a person, like a singular disease or a malady, like we said, blindness or leprosy, at the same time, he would recognize the full panorama of that believer's emotional and spiritual needs. Like, it's no wonder why he's known as the great physician, right? We all try and emulate him. There's a humorous anecdote in medicine. It states, and, and we all know that most times you go to a generalist when you have a real serious problem, they're going to refer you to a specialist. We live in an age of specialty medicine. And a humorous anecdote, in specialty training, it said the specialists, like say you're a liver specialist, a heart specialist, an eye specialist, whatever, you learn in your residencies more and more about less and less until you know everything about nothing. <laughs> so you go to a cardiologist and you've got a sore shoulder. He goes, I can't help you. You go to an orthopedist and go, oh, I have a heart palpitation. You go, I don't, have, I don't know anything about the heart. All I know is the, you know, the, the, the joint from the, the shoulder down. Then there's hand specialists who only treat from the, the wrist down. Then you've got ocular specialists who only treat the retina. And then there's retinal specialists who only treat behind the retina. So you learn more and more about less and less until you really know everything about nothing. So you can't treat anything else in medicine. But Christ looks at you as this incredible, holistic being, right? So unlike medical specialists who confine their practices to just teaching a certain part of the body, the Savior always recognizes you as a whole individual. As I stated earlier, thanks to the atonement, Jesus has expanded his circle of influence to perfectly expand and cover his circle of concern. And you and I are absolutely within those two identical circles. He is concerned about us, and he can heal us. That is his circle of influence as well. 
So Christ would often address the physical illness as a metaphor for sin or spiritual illness. In fact, C.S. Lewis had a great quote. He said that suffering is God's megaphone. Gets your attention, doesn't it? Hey, I am really reliant on the Savior for healing. And that's what these physical illnesses and these maladies that are being cured represent. They're a metaphor for universal spiritual healing. Christ's emphasis was always to administer to the individual within his wider context of this public ministry he had during his mortal ministry. And he would assist that individual in restoring physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. He wanted them to be whole again in him, perfected in Christ, as we call it, right? In its most immediate meaning, Christ's power of remission is the lessening of our physical or emotional or spiritual burdens. That's the the immediacy of it. But the most powerful and profound context for Christ's power of remission offers us this path to permanent, eternal healing to inherit all that the Father has, which is spiritual health, as well as everything else. And it's this opportunity to become disciples that just embody the very qualities of the Savior himself, whether it's love or understanding, patience, compassion, charity, all those things wrapped up in healing and the remission of problems and challenges, the remission. This week, I'd encourage you, Ponder the many messages regarding remission in the scriptures. I mean, you go back to you know, Matthew 26, 28. Christ himself saying that my blood is shed for many for the remission of their sins. In Luke, it states that salvation is by the remission of their sins. In John, he's telling his apostles, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. You have authority from me to do what I do to bring about remission. As we reapproach Christ with prayers of thanks for this healing and this restoring doctrine, we will be on the road to recovery and remission and healing. I look forward to speaking with you again next week on Reapproaching Christ as we dive a little deeper into the Savior's repeated assurance that it is your faith that makes you whole. Have a great week. I'm your host, Dr. John Dunn.